The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today's show offers the second half of a talk I gave at the 2014 IONS Conference on Health and Healing, which took place at Newport Beach, California, over this past Labor Day weekend. There were some many really excellent talks and lectures at that conference, and they are available to those who would like to see what they missed. Just go to IANDS.org to find out more. My talk, however, was not recorded due to a technical glitch, which is why I've offered it again in two parts, beginning with last week's show. Just go to our archive at nderadio.org if you missed part one. Before I pick up with part two, though, I'd like to read you a letter I received this past week from a listener who asks parallel questions to my own. Kathy Atwood writes, Greetings, Lee. I love your show. If being in the light is so wonderful, what are we doing back on Earth? Thank you for asking this question. Now, how about some more? If we came from and are returning to all-knowing, all-light, all-love, and all-bliss, what could we possibly learn or gain here? If we have free will, how come, in the case of countless NDEs, we are sent back against our will and forced to continue on Earth against our will? Who are they that have this charge over us? Is there an afterlife hierarchy, a class system? How is it that we never hear of the deceased family members of NDEs as a being of light? How is it that NDEs don't experience themselves as equal to or comparable to a being of light? In the cases of life previewed during NDE, wherein events occur as previewed, doesn't that suggest script? Doesn't being sent back because we aren't finished also suggest a script and a defined anticipated outcome? Well, who writes this script? To what end? Who scripted ISIS? To what end? Who scripted Ebola? To what end? Who scripts the agony, the suffering, the pain, the torture, the fates worse than death, the countless egregious scripts? To what end? Sometimes this seems like a version of the movie The Hunger Games, immersion theater where the earthbound participants experience unthinkable, and unconscionable variations of horror for the viewing pleasure slash entertainment of question mark, question mark, question mark. Who does this? I, a mere mortal, could not, would not subject those I love and even those I don't to the ravages commonplace in this earth experience. Who does this and to what end? And then a life review where people judge themselves for being less than light, love, and perfection while navigating this gauntlet. And then she ends with uh, many little characters, uh, dollar signs, exclamation points. Uh, you get the idea. And then closes with your thoughts if you're so inclined. Fellow experiencer, Kathy. Actually, Kathy has agreed to be on the show next Monday, so I'll get to ask her her questions uh, uh Ask some, ask her her answers rather to some of the questions she's posed here. 
Now, I was going to proceed to part two with a summary of part one and until my brother Chris emailed me a joke which summarizes the foolishness of denominational religion far better than I can. So let me tell you that joke. This is attributed to uh, someone named Erno Phillips. I was walking across a bridge one day, and I saw a man standing on the edge about to jump off. I immediately ran over and said, Stop! Don't do it! Why shouldn't I? He said. I said, Well, there's so much to live for. Like what? Well, are you religious or an atheist? Religious. Me too. Are you Christian or Jewish? Christian. Me too. Are, are you Catholic or Protestant? Protestant. Why, me too. Are you Episcopalian or Baptist? Baptist. Wow, me too. Are you Baptist Church of God or Baptist Church of the Lord? Baptist Church of God. Me too. Are you original Baptist Church of God or are you Reformed Baptist Church of God? Reformed Ch- Baptist Church of God. Me too. Are you Reformed Baptist Church of God Reformation of 1879 or Reformed Baptist Church of God Reformation 1915? Reformation, Reformed Baptist Church of God Reformation of 1915. To which I said, die heretic scum and pushed him off. Denominational religion. Okay. Pick up where I left off last week. The wars over religion go on and on. The West sent the Crusades into the Middle East to take back the Holy Land. They wound up attacking Christians in Constantinople as well. Today, 4,000 years after Father Abraham raised the knife over his son, Muslims war with Jews. Uh, ISIS Sunnis in Iraq kill Christians in war with Shiites in Iraq and Iran. Pakistani Muslims war with Hindu Indians, secular Chinese attack Tibetan Buddhists, and Chinese Christians. Russian Orthodox condemn Russian Protestants. Fundamentalist Taliban destroy women's hopes for fair treatment in Afghanistan, etc., etc. And we have to ask, where is the love of Christ, the compassion of Buddha, the peace of Jerusalem? The great truths of religion have been corrupted by the struggles for power. And because of that, we lost the thread of truth. As just one example, let me mention a moment in theological history that was pointed out by James Bean, a friend of mine who's been on my NDE radio show, and you can uh, check out more of what James has to say if you go back through our archives. To my way of thinking, this disagreement may have set Western religion back to the Old Testament. James wrote, There is a chapter in the book, Disputed Questions, by Thomas Merton, on how the concept of light mysticism got lost in the Catholic-Protestant West, but somehow retained in orthodoxy. Merton wrote about a major dispute in church history between a scholar by the name of Barlam and the great light mystic saint Gregory Palamas. It's a fascinating account. Barlam argued, like some do today, that spiritual experiences are never real, that They are merely, quote, in your head, unquote. St. Gregory, fortunately for spirituality in the Orthodox East, prevailed, and the churches of the East continue to hold the view that we human beings, even now, while alive in this present life, can see visions of the light of heaven. 
visions of light are still okay, like they were during the time of early Christianity on the road to Damascus, on the radiant road to reality. If thine eye be single, Jesus is said to have said, thy body shall be filled with light. James goes on. Russell Perkins, in his book, The Stranger of Galilee, comments on this chapter of Merton's disputed questions. Quote, Unfortunately, the Western Church did not accept the belief of St. Gregory Palamas that divine light could be experienced directly in the present life, which means that most of us with Catholic or Protestant backgrounds do not have this heritage, even though mystics in both Catholic and Protestant traditions have understood it. Certainly John of the Cross, Hildegard, and other Western mystics have reported visions of God's light. Though I agree that most of us growing up in this culture and in the Western churches remain unaware of the possibility of seeing the light of heaven, to my knowledge, it is never taught in the churches. St. Gregory debated the rationalist Barlaam in 1341 in front of hundreds of bishops and monastics at the great church of Hagia Sophia, with its huge mosaic of Jesus looking down, which is in Constantinople, now, of course, Istanbul. Though Gregory won the debate, Barlam's arguments were embraced by the Western Church, virtually eliminating the possibility that personal mystical experience for all would ever be acknowledged by the Western Churches. What a loss. So much for organized religions as the source of, for truth. But then, what about science as the path to enlightenment? In the 18th century, science seemed like a possible alternative to what seemed was meant to bring humanism and science to the forefront so that truth could overcome holy wars and priestly superstitions. When it was demonstrated that Earth was not the center of the universe and that evolution could serve to explain our existence, then science and religion began their own struggle for power, a struggle that in some ways continues to this day. But in its struggle to prove that religion was nothing more than superstition, science generally refused to consider spiritual questions of any kind and thus forfeited a great opportunity that is, to explore the question of what different dimensions open to us when we die. Afraid they were, young Skywalker. Afraid to tackle one of the greatest and most profound questions. They'd been burned, you see, by their enemies in the religious camps, and they were not going to debate questions that held even the slightest flavor of religious speculation. Science demanded verifiable, repeatable results, And if a miracle could not be replicated, the results were never going to be relevant to the scientific mind. Further blocking the road to discovering truth, science got subverted by its financial patrons, by their greed and their desire for power and influence. While alchemists were directed to turn lead into gold, Western physicians had witches. Witches actually could heal people with herbs and faith. They discovered many uh, incredible things long before the West uh, adopted them, penicillin for one, and they had these witches burned at the stake. Meanwhile, scientists were turning to developing new and more deadly weapons for their governmental patrons, 
In other words, science was following the money. Amazing machines to increase production brought on the Industrial Revolution and the military, industrial, pharmaceutical, entertainment complex we're immersed in today with all its commercialism and environmental degradation was the result. Today there's a prescription to quell almost any mystical experience, a doctor to tell you your NDE was just a hallucination, and video games to distract you from meditation, prayer, or even a walk in the woods. So much for science is the highway to truth. It's been more likely, uh, been more likely a highway robbery of our chances for enlightenment and the preservation of our environment. Just consider science's priorities. For example, last year's discovery of the Higgs boson, the particle God used to materialize the universe, was preceded by almost eight decades by the invention of the nuclear bomb, the tool by which humans can dematerialize life on Earth. The fact is, this world is a world of ghosts, both living and dead. As I travel from room to room making my hospital rounds as chaplain, I'm encountering spiritual illiteracy and spiritual numbness at stupefyingly high levels. Sci-fi stories of vampires, zombies, and superheroes have replaced notions of learning about God's light and love. So organized religion and establishment science have, to a large extent, both betrayed God. Both claim to be in the pursuit of truth, and yet each offers up the convenient truths that mainly work to keep the powers that be in power. So where is the healing for this world that this talk was supposed to offer? Well, the good news is the bozos are here to wake the ghosts from their dreaming. I'll tell you more about that in a moment, but first uh, let me tell you a little about chaplain work. It's both because of and despite all of the above that I really enjoy my work as chaplain. The surprise is nothing shocks me anymore. When teenagers tell me they're vampires who drink one another's blood. When a young father on drugs shakes his baby to death. When the wealthy claim God is on their side against the poor. When a Christian pastor announces he knows the second coming will occur on May 21st, 2011. When third world countries spend their national treasure learning to build weapons of mass destruction. When the Supreme Court decides that corporations are people, etc., etc. Well, I can recognize that I've been at times in my life almost as crazy as these. Few chaplains I know are pillars of virtue, fonts of wisdom, or noted scriptural scholars. What they are are humans who have learned how to listen to others and to understand what they hear. No, they don't have to agree with everyone, but they have to participate in forgiveness if they want to help heal. Anyone who has failed at some time in their lives must be willing to hug another failure in their struggle to succeed. Now take a chaplain who has had a near-death experience. And what do you have? One of those bozos I've been talking about, but which another faith might call a bodhisattva. Well, what's a bodhisattva? Someone who has been given a glimpse of eternal truth to share with others. 
On the Buddhist tricycle website, Kosho Uchiyama writes, in part, A bodhisattva is an ordinary person who takes up a course in his or her life that moves in the direction of Buddha. You're a bodhisattva, I'm a bodhisattva. Actually, anyone who directs their attention, their life, to practicing the way of life of a Buddha is a bodhisattva. Most people live by their desires or karma. We are born into this world with our desires and may live our lives just by reacting or responding to them. In contrast is a bodhisattva who lives by vow. The life that flows through each of us and through everything around us is actually all connected. To say that, of course, means uh, that who I really am cannot be separated from all the things that surround me. Or to put it another way, all sentient beings have their existence and live within my life. So needless to say, that includes even the fate of all mankind. That too lies within me. Therefore, just how mankind might truly live out its life becomes what I aim at as my direction. This aiming or living while moving in a certain direction is what is meant by vow. Just that, nothing more. In other words, it is the motivation for living that is different for a bodhisattva. Ordinary people live thinking only about their own personal, narrow circumstances connected with their desires. In contrast to that, a bodhisattva, though undeniably still an ordinary human being like everyone else, lives by vow. Because of that, the significance of his or her life is not the same. For us, as bodhisattvas, all aspects of life, including the fate of humanity itself, live within us. It is with this in mind that we work to discover and manifest the most vital and alive posture that we can in living out our life. End of quote. For Mahayana Buddhists, life in this world is compared to people living in a house that is on fire. People live out their desires, not recognizing the house, this world, is on fire and will soon burn down. A bodhisattva is one who has a determination to free sentient beings from samsara and its cycle of death, rebirth, and suffering. In other words, we are the shepherd-like bodhisattvas, and there are many different types. I think four primary types of bodhisattvas, but... The shepherds are the ones who delay going into the light until all other sentient beings achieve the light as well. That's what make a, makes us the bozos who keep coming back lifetime after lifetime, leaving the light to bring light to others. And anyone who has seen the other side in some form of mystical experience during this lifetime has received a gold-plated invitation to join the club. Whether you call it bozo, bodhisattva, or chaplain, that's the calling we must be following now. And I'll pause for a minute just to mention that it's been estimated there are some 15 million, 15 million living NDE, near-death experiencers in this country alone. When you consider <laughs> how great a number that is, if, if people would just turn to each other and say, you know, I've never told anyone this before, but this is what happened to me, and this is how I saw the other side, and and I know for a fact that this is true. 
what a difference that would make to the world. 15 million bodhisattvas out there could change the, could change the world. As a chaplain, I find there's nothing more healing in our bag of tools than the sharing of NDE stories. In a world at war with itself, there's nothing more peacemaking than the knowledge that the light of God's love is freely available to all, regardless of race, gender, or religion. If you have been given the gift of an NDE, an out-of-body experience, or any other encounter with the other side, share it with others. It's why we ran away to join the circus, the circus we call Earth, in the first place. The Pistis Sophia quotes Jesus as saying, Do not seek, do not cease seeking day or night, and do not rest until you find the mysteries of the kingdom of the light, which will purify you and make you into pure light and take you into the kingdom of light. That's Pistis Sophia, Faith Wisdom. And that's a, a book published by E.J. Brill. Kirpal Singh wrote, The light of life is in you. Indeed, you live by that very light, whether you realize it or not. Each one of you has had an experience of that holy light. Now you must live in constant contact with the holy light. It is uncreated and shadowless, eternally the same and peerless. The whole creation came into being by the same light, and that very light is shining in every heart. The light of life must be made manifest in existence. Be ye a witness to the light of life, not only within yourself, but in others as well. For the same light shineth everywhere, and there is no place where it is not. Once you discover this light and learn to live by it, your whole existence will be changed. Love will permeate your very being and will burst forth from the very pores of your body, transmuting all dross into sterling gold. Kirpal Singh. So at my talk, I made the sign of the cross and said, Domini, 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 you are all chaplains now. But not necessarily Christian chaplains, just chaplains. Because we have been seeded here to seek, to seed truth. And then I thanked the audience in advance for lightening the lives of others. But I reminded them, just remember, this house is on fire. This house, our bodies, our civilization. And we will soon be consumed. This life, of all the lives that we've been reincarnated into, this life is no time to be wasting time. And then I ended with uh, St. Francis' prayer of peace, but it's not St. Francis. It was attributed to St. Francis, but uh, first appeared in a little French magazine called Little Bell in 1912. Uh, it was a favorite prayer of Mother Teresa, however, who was certainly uh, a very wise and wonderful bodhisattva. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me seed love. Where there is injury, let me seed pardon. Where there is discord, let me seed harmony. Where there is error, let me seed truth. Where there is doubt, let me seed faith. Where there is despair, let me seed hope. Where there is darkness, let me seed light. Where there is sadness, let me seed joy. 
O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, seek to be understood as to understand, seek to be loved as to love, for it is in forgiving, it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And that's where my little talk ended. Uh, I should tell you a little about these conferences that IONS puts on on an annual basis. Uh, next year, also around Labor Day, we plan to meet in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, the last year, before our, our uh, Newport Beach talk, we did one in Washington, D.C. We try to move them around the country so that everyone will have a chance to uh, not, not to have to travel so far to each one. Each conference has a separate theme. This one happened to be on healing and health. Um, and truly, they are uh, so impressive. Uh, I'll tell you something. When you get a couple of hundred people together in a room or uh, at a conference, ju- even in the same building, uh, people who've had near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences who have had uh, some sort of insight into the other side, the power of that conference is just amazing. Uh, I think I spoke uh, on one of the other programs about how 30, 35 of us joined our joined together in a circle and held each other's hands to say a prayer for someone who'd been injured. And the power of the electricity in that circle was quite stunning to me, and I think to the others as well. But more than that, um, there are people that come to these conferences who have never, in you know, for 20 or 30 years, never spoken to another person about their near-death experience. And finally, they're just so moved um, out of curiosity, out of a desire to be with other people who've had the same kind of experience, uh, that they finally say, okay, I'll, you know, I'll spend the money, I'll go to this conference and see what else I can learn about all of this. And it is a revelation. It's a revelation to them. It's a revelation to the people that meet them. And uh, the sharing of stories is intense and uh, beautiful. Even in tragic circumstances, and of course many near-death experiences are the result of tragic circumstances, but they are moving and uh, rewarding in, in ways that you can't really understand until you attend one of these meetings. So I, I hope that... Um, You'll get to the conference in San Antonio next uh, next year. In the meantime, if you've had an experience or want to know more about experiences, you can contact iands.org um, and find out if there's a local IONS group. We have groups all over the country who um, meet usually on a monthly basis to discuss um, the experiences that the people there have had to bring in speakers, to show movies, and uh, I'm, I'm just about ready to start a group here my, in Bangor, Maine myself, because I have met so many people as a chaplain who've had near-death experiences, and I think they would, uh, they would like to have a home to, to come to to talk about it with others. Well, I guess we'll have to, uh, I guess we'll have to uh, wind this down. We're just about out of time. If you'd like to listen again to this or 
any other of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And uh, for more information about the work of IANS, check out their website at iands.org. And tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. Thanks for listening.